0: I think I love it. The second one is awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean I don't wanna go in and talking about it.
1: But it's great. Yeah, I'm excited to read the other ones too. Um it's such an interesting world mm-hmm. that you imagined. I've never let's see. I've never really like read something that was like this like grounded in a real scenario but or a real um place but like also so fantastical mm-hmm. like it's it takes place in africa like in a forest but it's um like very much like a fantasy world in its own way well
2: tell yeah. them about what you uh the what was it called the Musings of
1: Africa. Yeah,
0: I mean, I read and I watched an interview with um the guy who wrote it, Brian Ketling, mm-hmm. um, and he said he, when he read a book when he was younger called, like, Musings of Africa, and it was based on, like, a forest in Africa, like a magical forest, and he wanted to, like, continue the story because he felt annoyed that there was no more to it, so...
2: It's like the adult version. Yeah,
1: of that. that's so cool. I didn't yeah. know that.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, he created his own world and took it in his own direction. But like, it was kind of that thing where it's almost like you desperately want a sequel to something, so you just make it yourself.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It, I think since it doesn't exist, he did the best thing he could is just make his own. Yeah, um,
2: the ultimate fan fiction.
1: <laughs> I do so like I how. Think- he- yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just gonna say like I do like how he mixed like real things and places and concepts in with like a fantasy world, you know.
1: Yeah. Um the version I've got has a afterword by um Alan Moore. And mm-hmm. Alan Moore is a one of my favorite authors. He
3: yeah.
1: does a lot of the like gritty comic books, like he's kind of the father of gritty Batman and mm-hmm. um Like Watchmen, you guys are familiar with him, but um, his afterword is like the most Alan Moore thing I've ever read. It's like so, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like you, you can definitely tell like he's a big fan of the Vore and Mm -hmm. Catling's other work. Um, like he talks about his sculptures and stuff too. Um, Every
2: single book performance, like if you go down the rabbit hole, all of his books, and I mean, he's definitely one of the most brilliant people I ever met
1: yeah um so i brought
2: my copy one of my prized possessions and the thing that i would save in a fire
1: did you say you met him
2: (laughs) yeah we're actually we well he died unfortunately like like, uh, maybe yeah a year ago but we so i was like obsessed with this book as you know and the whole world the trilogy wasn't completely out when we met and he rarely came to the States. And so he said, like, shortly after I had finished the first book, he announced that he was doing a tour to the States and he was not coming anywhere near Nashville and he was gonna be in Austin. So my mom and I flew to Austin to go to his book talk. And I was thinking that like, it was gonna be so packed. There were gonna be so many people and there were maybe five of us. And I like, I like, I've never fangirled over anyone and there's not many people I would, but to meet this man, I was like coming out of my skin excited and he thought it was the funniest thing ever. And he was like, I've never had a fangirl before. Mm-hmm. And so he gave me his card and he was like, send me an email and I will send you, send you some stuff. And so he wound up sending me a copy of like every book he'd written and we became pals. And so he would send me like, unfinished paintings that he was working on. And we just like started emailing a lot and I wound up sending him an advanced copy of my album like two years before it came out. And he was working on a story that was inspired by the last song of my album. And then unfortunately he passed away, but we had talked about creating oh, on a project together like a record together and doing like a, a thing. And it just sucked because it kind of happened around COVID and there was like no easy way to get to Europe, yeah. but he was such a joy of a person and the most brilliant, just so brilliant.
1: It definitely a, a brilliant mind. Um, the Vor is like, I don't, I, it's, it's so, I, I'm still not quite sure what the Vor is about.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like it
1: doesn't have a, like a nice little bow on it like wrapped up with like a moral it's so really just a peek into a world he's created um mm-hmm. verse like real hard fantasy versus like um i love wizard of oz but wizard of oz i specifically get the feeling that nothing exists outside of what i'm reading like mm-hmm. like and it's only there until they turn the page and then everything else is just kind of gone whereas like the war exists uh And you're just peeking into it, Um, Mm -hmm. but that there's so much, so many moving components outside of what you're saying too. Um, It's a sprawling, very in-depth universe. Um, It's very probably probably the weirdest book I've ever read. I would say Um, Mm -hmm. it's so odd. Like we get that cold opening with the uh, Arena Pesta, her being um, I I believe I'm saying that right. Yeah, turn into a bow, um, which is like really sets the tone for what kind of magic this world operates on. Um, It's a a very realistic approach to it. Um, I'm not a big fan of like things like Harry Potter, which are very just um, I don't even think Rowling understands how things work in that universe. But I'm sure Brian Catlin could explain to you. Or anyone like explain to someone exactly how it works, if he wanted to. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: Even if the characters don't know, it, he has it figured out. Um. Mm-hmm. It's such an interesting blend of, like, real world religion, um, meets his his interesting take on it. Um. What, do you know? If the the musings of Africa kind of touched on these, sort of uh, spiritual like uh ademic like garden of eden subjects
0: i don't know uh i've never read it i um the frenchman the character that he has in the story was the author of that book but it was written in 1924 and i really don't know anything about it it was just a book that he liked that touched upon like um maybe it did i think it like touched upon like where they consider it like the cradle of civilization and they kind of blended religion with real life in the sense of like, we all came out of this area of Africa kind of vibes and whether it was like Adam and Eve or whatever, they were still like thinking about it. And that's kind of like where that book went.
2: When you do read the second and third books, it definitely like explains stuff more and like kind of gives you more completion to me, like reading all three of them, the first one, like, when I recommended it, I said it wasn't for the faint of heart, like, every sentence matters, and it's, like, not a, like, just easy, quick read, but as you read, like, the second and third, it's almost like the editor was a little bit more involved in just making it, like, flow easier, or, like, more, like, it's a little bit more, like, easy to digest, I think, than Mm. be the first ones a lot more, like, you're just in Brian's head.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I feel like, the vor is is like um, it's got a, like a repulsion where it keeps people out, but it also has a draw for people. like it pulls as a magnet it's got two kinds of magnetism like it's got repelling magnetism and like attractive magnetism. And like I think it, it so it, it encompasses like for Williams, one of the Williams to go through like he lost a lot like along the way. Um, which I think is a beautiful part of his story. Um, And I feel like the people just around the four are affected as well. And I feel that way about reading it. Like I'm Mm -hmm. close to this thing, so I'm affected by it. Um, It kind of pulls you in, in its own way. And it's like, not necessarily like the most inviting thing. Like you're going down a dark path. You're, and you're being pulled down it by the war. It's it getting sucked into the heart of the war. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, Hyatt has hey, joined us. Thanks going? for coming.
4: Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having. Me. Hey, y'all. going?
2: Oh, I- like the book?
1: Yeah. So I
4: actually read this one, um, a while back. I've read the second one too. Yeah. Um, it's been a minute since I've read the second one, and I haven't I haven't done the third one yet. So I'll have to get that. Um, and read that um but yeah i've I mean,
2: never is... met a person who has read the war i'm always like telling everyone you have to read this book you have to read." Oh, this really book. yeah
4: yeah i read this a few oh, man i don't know two two three years ago at least i don't know when, when did it come out i'm trying to remember uh 2012
2: uh, first one was
4: 2012 yeah 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 um yeah i think it was like i think it was like three four years ago and uh the book that we read right before this one in the book club was the um was annihilation and that whole series and there 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 are some similarities with between the Vore and this and area x and that series just yeah right, in terms of being a just a place that <laughs> that alters that draws people and alters them and you know easily has the seeds of their destruction in it
1: yeah, yeah, I noticed that as well. The other thing I noticed that has in common with Annihilation is that it's a real world with a fictional place in it. Um, yeah. so the Vore and Area X are very similar in that in that way. Um. Yeah, I, I think there are morals to be had in the Vore, but that's I also feel like not the point. It's not; those are things learned along the way, but that's not what he's trying to tell you exactly. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's it's He really is just trying to show off something different. Like there's a lot of tropes in um, in fantasy. Like, um, one second. I had to let the dogs back in. <laughs> um, there's a lot of tropes in fantasy, like elves, goblins, that kind of stuff. And it's really cool to see a fantasy author not derive any of those and and make his own completely unique system and world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like... Yeah. Um, I think that the world building is kind of the point. Like, if there is a point to it, it's, it's to show you this place. Um, whereas, like... Back to like Wizard of Oz, it's the point of that is to to give you a lesson. Um, whereas this I feel is all like about the world.
2: first book, the point is definitely to like set up the place and the world and the tone of the world. And then as you get into book two and three, there's a lot more, I think, story pur- purpose and like exploring the characters' stories more. I don't know. How would you say you think? I mean, I mean you're I, not through book two
1: and three. Uh, yeah.
0: Books. I thought that the first book had like it wasn't I, to be called the Vor, in my opinion and it didn't i mean there were parts that took place in the Vor, but it really was less about the vore than it was about like the various stories and individual characters and some of the stuff that took place around it but there was i felt like there were so many unanswered questions not just so much like these beings existed or these creatures or wizards or all these things but like i felt like there were no real like in-depth stories of how and why certain things were the way they were you know like and i like that's the part of the war that i was kind of like what the hell is going on you know there's just certain parts where i'm like you know like i i loved the way the story developed and in and now that i'm reading into the second one a lot of things are starting to make more sense but like you know, some of the things that I was just kind of like, where does this magic come from? Who are these people? Like they allude to the whole Adam and Eve thing but I'm not sure if it's like is this myth that these people have created? Are these creatures or things actually part of you know what I mean? It's like it was a very like it is the weirdest book I've ever read.
2: I like <laughs> that it answers the questions and that it just like assumes you're part of the world and you just know and like to me like when you listen to Brian talk about writing this book like he talks about it
1: and and honestly
2: why I attach to him so much as just like a creator is he'll talk about how it's like he doesn't always know like it's just like he flows it just kind of comes out of him and it's just like he's channeling something almost and just like writing what needs to be there like he's not really super analytical as a writer to where he like does an insane amount of planning and world building when he writes. It's very much like he just imagines. He, meeting him like he's like the biggest five year old you could possibly meet. Like he's just so incredibly creative. Like he's got a book um, called Earwig that's one of my favorites. It's a really short one and it's about this girl that has ice teeth and this handler that like changes her, t- her iced teeth out. And like, he just has one of the wildest creative brains, but I don't think he even always knows <laughs> what is happening. It's just like this world, his brain creates.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Um, he's, he's not really like a very hands-on writer. He's just letting the process yeah. flow through him. That's just like, I,
2: this is just what happens. Like this is the surreal like world that I'm creating and now you're a part of it.
1: I love that approach because I feel like writing is kind of specifically, well, writing a novel, especially of something this scale, is a very intentional um, kind of thing. Usually, so to like auto write and almost, I guess, like uh, like to channel that muse and just let it go is a very unique thing to do with a book like yeah. this.
2: You should definitely watch some interviews of his because he's definitely not the like I'm gonna post it note and outline this like he just he just wrote wow yeah
1: that's crazy no outline he just went he just went into the war
2: (laughs) he's yeah i mean he's always been fascinated with cyclops like a lot of his performance art incorporates cyclops uh like he turns himself into a cyclops a lot and does a lot of self portraits like that and that was i mean he just like what did you say he passed a mirror and
0: oh yeah he was looking into like this mirror at a place and you know how like sometimes you'll like see half of your face and it'll converge into like one half of something so he like saw his eye come together so it looked like he had just one eye and he imagined what it would be like to be a cyclops and what kind of life that would be.
2: But it was about the brain the brain stems that basically like the right eye connects to the left side of your brain Mm -hmm. and opposite so he started to think of like if you didn't have two eyes like your brain would basically function differently. So you w- might be able to have access to like more than the 10% of your brain. Oh, that maybe we do. It. And so like that is what got his brain inspired to create like Ishmael. So yeah, as like a writer and creator, he's very just like, I'm going to follow these, like he's brilliant, just like these wild, brilliant thoughts and like create something. I thought that was like the coolest description yeah. for like making a character was that Ishmael was inspired because of the brainstem thing.
1: That is crazy. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and they might.
2: He would... heals Serena's sight. Yeah.
0: that's another of story though that I got. Like, it wasn't like confusing, but it was like I wondered what the purpose of it was. That he healed her, she started touching people, and then they were healed, and it started spreading. But it just, it just kind of like arced and then faded. Like nothing ever really came of it. You mm. know.
2: Well, you still have more books to read. <clears throat> yeah, I guess.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs>
0: the eye oh, yeah. stuff. The, the when the that spirit comes and it hits those people and it like freezes their bodies but their eyes are still alive that shit creeped me out and i'm like why are the eyes always alive and how much attachment are they to the actual person that eventually was turned you know what i mean
1: yeah um e- evan has joined the party evan, I evan guess- carpenter's <laughs> here i don't right. know if we can see evan yeah okay um, yeah, so we were we were just talking about Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Anastasia was saying that the inspiration for that is um, since like the eyes are controlled by the opposite hemispheres, the idea of a cyclops eye would change your your like the way your brain functions. Huh. And uh, I didn't put that connection together that that's has to do with the healing stuff that takes place. Oh, so that's see, I love that because um, this kind of goes back to what we're talking about with the religion stuff too. Like um, I wasn't aware. That they, he was had these abilities because he was a cyclops. You know, mm. I kind of thought the powers and the cyclops stuff was derivative of something else, but it's actually those two things together is is how that works. Plus, that that works with the religion stuff too, where it's like, here we see the Garden of Eden. Here we see what it's actually like. So it's like it's not it's not constructed from rumors and legends. Legends of rumors are constructed from it. So mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be a little bit off, but in his world, like this is how it is actually, mm-hmm. like there's the anthropophagi. there's, there's Adam, which yeah, is,
3: Adam's
2: the fucked up yeah,
1: do we, do we, um, do we know for sure that that's who he, that, that, that's okay. So we, we know that's what the legends are, but we don't know that for certain, then. No at least of book one. Yeah. Okay. So, it could just be some creature that's been there 50 years, not a thousand. Maybe there's a whole lineage of them they don't even know about or something like that. That's cool. Uh, We were also. Sorry, go ahead. I was
0: just going to say, I thought the end happened too fast in the sense of like all of a sudden the other Williams was killed. And then right after, just Adam just dies and gets hit with an arrow. You know what I mean? And. Like I just have been wondering what the purpose of those things were so quickly. You know what
1: I mean. I mean, it sounds like maybe there wasn't a point. He was just doing it, which is he didn't even. Yeah, (laughs) even Catling doesn't know. (laughs) Well,
3: because
0: I liked how the arrow put the other Williams out of his misery because that was his wife, and you know that connection made sense. But the like all of a sudden an arrow just hits Adam, who is not even a character in the whole story, just, like, this entity in the distance.
2: Maybe it's, it's something about almost like a, a connection golem type of, character. like, human and whatever, yeah. like, that, that, like, symbology is of Adam.
1: To know that he's just flowing and, like, doing his thing makes a lot of sense in retrospect. Like, there, there are parts, like, like, Sungali gets his arm healed and he swears himself to Ishmael and then immediately dies and it's like i <laughs> felt like they were building up this character and in a very like shocking way ripped it away i'm like i mean that might have been a shock to him too as he's writing it he's like yeah actually and but it it, it also speaks to something very true that's like you set up all these expectations and then you know shit happens like un- unforeseen circumstances mm-hmm. um yeah yeah that also on that like Nebsuel, uh the I think I'm saying that right, the witch doctor. He's he's one of my favorite characters. He was so creepy. He was yeah. so like that out of all the characters in the book, I think he's the like least one that I would like want to run across. He's the most terrifying <laughs> to me, I think. Um the way he deals with um oh what's his name? Sidrus? Sidrus, yeah. Yeah. That was crazy.
4: Man, there are so many things in this that are. That was the thing that struck me about this book was, I mean, you have you know you have the mythological aspects of the the earth the erstwhile, and then um, you have Sidra. And sometimes I'm getting confused what happens in the second book. um, But you have him and the priests like hunting them down and killing them, and then you have sort of these semi-organic robots of unknown origin in the yeah. house and you know the cycle i mean it's just all these different things that just don't seem like they would have anything to do with each other and would come from entirely different sort of fantasy or you know science mm-hmm. kind of things but somehow it all it all just weaves together in this in in a way that uh, the world the, like you don't ever you never go from from piece to piece in this book and think well there's no way that that you know that this fits in with this like it all it all goes together in this very strange way even though there's so many disparate threads
2: mm-hmm.
1: so what do you guys
2: Has been working on a show about it um i don't know how far into production it is he told me about it before he died but he um said that he was like not sure who was gonna direct it and he he was like really nervous because he didn't think that they would be able to make like do the world justice and like you know television but he was really excited and like no uh Tim and Eric were like involved in like trying to get the script and like people have kind of been like fighting to get this script because like they like the the people that love the vor like are so passionate about like making sure that it's right so I don't I just don't know that they could ever do it justice. Like this would be the most expensive show like ever to do justice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's
3: like um it's so like, cool. like like blood meridian. They've been trying to make that movie for years now. It's just mm-hmm. impossible to bring to the screen, you know. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think it would have to be more of a movie. I just I just don't know that they could do it in a series. I think it's too abstract. Like, people would be like, oh, yeah, what's but, happening? Yeah, but I
0: also feel like a series would allow for it to be a lot longer. That's
2: true. You can take like a couple seasons on book one. You know, like
0: hour long episodes mm-hmm. are a lot better than trying to cram it into like two and a half hour movie.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think the book, the structure also kind of lends itself to that kind of thing, too. You know, there's so many different characters that they introduce and focus on, then jump from one to the other to the other. I think an episodic thing would definitely make a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, I hope I hope it happens someday. Maybe someday yeah. I'll be able to buy the rights and help them.
3: Did
4: y'all, <laughs> did y'all ever see the the more recent like mini series or whatever it was of
1: Dune? I haven't seen it. I, I'm familiar with what you're talking about though.
4: Yeah. I haven't seen that either. But that's that's another one of those books that. Um, you know, I've seen you know I've seen the old adapt the David Lynch old David Lynch, adaptation. yeah, and it's bizarre and entertaining in its own way. But I haven't ever seen a, you know something a uh, presentation of that book in either a TV show or a movie that I felt like really captured it. But I haven't seen that most recent series. And
1: well, say, there, was mini-series... Or, uh... yeah, there was a mini series. Yeah, there was there was a Dune mini series like ten years ago. I think maybe that's what you're talking about, but then there was also uh, they made a movie of the first half of the first book um, within the last like three years.
4: I think that's the one I'm thinking
1: of. Yeah, yeah. that it. that one's pretty good. I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I I that Dune is interesting because I I don't know how they're gonna do Messiah. Um, it's a very well, for one thing, a very controversial book, um, and I think. It's kind of one of those things where it's 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 supposed to be thought provoking um, and controversial, uh, like it divides divides people into basically, are you pro moadib or like not Moai and, um, I it, that would be an interesting thing to see adapted and see how people respond to it, um, especially if they like aren't are like new to Dune, mm-hmm. but yeah, um. But but enough about Dune. Yeah, uh, we, we, uh, uh, no, yeah you're good.
4: Mine is like sort of semi-unfilmable books.
1: Yeah, no, you're you're <laughs> totally right. Uh, yeah, Dune Dune is definitely a hard one to adapt. Um, I hope they do good with that going forward too. Um, and and the Vor. Um, there's a couple other ones I'm looking forward to that I'll hope they'll adapt. Um, but. What do you guys think, what do you guys picture after Nebsuel heals Ishmael? Or not heals him, but kind of gives him, he implants this, like, false eye. What does that look like to you guys? Because the way he describes it, I wasn't quite sure. He's got such a beautiful, like, prose to the way he writes. And, like, I feel like that's that's another part that would make it really hard to adapt, is, like, you can't take his words and, like, turn them into, like, pictures. Like... Mm -hmm the way it's written is part of the story, I think. Yeah, um,
2: absolutely. I was going to say, I thought it would be so interesting to like go in each of your heads and see like what you saw the characters as in this and the forest as because I think it causes it, it like forces you to use your imagination so much. Like yeah. I bet it's different for everybody.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I so, Cause I was picturing Ishmael as like a very like traditional Cyclops, like big one eye in the middle of his head. Um. Yeah. But, But then the way like Nebuul heals him, he talks about how like it it looks like he's not recognizable as a cyclops. He just looks a little fucked up. Is the way everyone kind of reacts to him. So what did that look like to you guys?
2: He had to be like semi-attractive with how females react to him. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) Ishmael fucks a lot. (laughs) He's not like an ogre. I think that like is like totally unattractive just because of like women's reaction to him. So like. I feel like he's got to be some kind of like semi-attractive cyclops.
1: But is that? Do you think that's like on the side of his head, like kind of like he's just missing an eye? Like there's he's just
2: missing an eye. I don't I know. With all so. Brian's like like performance art interpretations of cyclops, it's very like central. So I guess I kind of thought it was more central just because of all the art he's done about cyclops.
4: But yeah,
2: like you're right yeah. that he does describe him as just looking a little fucked up.
4: Well, I mean, I remember. Oh, go ahead, sorry. I was just gonna say, there's that, yeah, you know, that character in Futurama. You know, his uh, Lena is that her name? Who's Lila Leela, who's a cyclops. Everybody thinks is attractive. So, <laughs> you know.
0: yeah. but I not think of him as having like one huge eye either. Even though that, right. you know, the, those characters, the other ones that had the eyes in their chest, the one eye in their chest.
3: Anthropophagi. Like,
2: yeah, the
0: most most of the time you think of a cyclops is like having one big eye and then i was like if ishmael had another eye implanted into his face it would look really disproportionate and they never mm-hmm. talked about that so i'm like did he just have one like little eye mm-hmm. and you know what i mean like the other one just balanced it out and he was like they compared it to like a war injury that his face looked like he had like a war injury or something mm-hmm. so i'm like
3: i don't know one thing oh, I remember no. from that part was, like, the uh, Nebswell, he's talking to him, and he's like, you you have a big eye socket that's slightly off-center, and hmm. apparently there was room enough to get another eye in there. So I imagine he's just kind of got, like, one big fucked up eye right kind of here, you know, and they just kind of yeah. open it a little. Uh, I don't know. Huh. Yeah.
0: Interesting.
3: <laughs> you know, that's all I remember from that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's also, like, um, it's like, it's... Uh... It's like spirit healing, like he's using magic and medicine together. So I kind of, I just kind of brushed it away as like, Nebswell's that good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. He can can do
2: whatever. I think you have to kind of have a little bit of that, just like letting the book be magic and not trying to like, think about it too much. I so wish he was still alive because he he would have enjoyed this so much. That's what he said
0: to that Song Valley guy. Like he's when he lost his arm, he's like, I have to make you the wooden arm because if you had parts of your other arm, I could have made something. Yeah. Meaning, yeah. like, yeah. So I was like, maybe he has the ability to like shift things mm-hmm. around and work with what he's got, but yeah, you know, yeah. Didn't he
2: drink? Like, I can't remember. It's been a second since I read the book. I'm not sure. I thought he made him like. Never mind.
0: Maybe I never
4: think.
2: I, th-
1: I think it's really cool. Also, the way like um the Williams uses Estee is like very, it's, I don't, th- correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he ever actually shoots it at someone. Like, I think it hits someone unintentionally. I think he gets, I think he
3: gets some golly with it once.
1: Oh, wait, you're right. Yeah, he, like, yes. in the face oh, that's right. Like, <laughs> he ate arrow. He ate feathers. Never. Yeah. He got <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> that was a good, that was that really. Was- i i was there for that like it it really put me there when they're on the boats and and he um no they're not on the boat yet he's pointing the um the rifle at him and shoots and thinks he drops him but then he's like wait where the fuck did he go and then next thing you know he's eating feathers his broken jaw like a mouthful of arrow yeah (laughs) like damn
3: i gotta tell you i was kind of um I don't know if you've talked about this yet, but I feel like I was kind of rooting for Sengali for quite a while there. I thought he was really yeah. cool. Yeah, but,
1: yeah, that, that kind of flipped it, changed. It is cool the way um, all these characters are superhuman. Yeah, like none of them are all good or all bad. Like none of them are like the most virtuous, like comic book hero, and they're not all bad either. Like. Even like I mean, McLeish is pretty bad. It's McLeish and the doctor, pretty bad. But like uh, even then, they're understandable villains. Like, you you can it really puts you in their shoes too. Yeah.
2: Mhm. I think the Orm is so cool and weird and wild. The the Orm baby. So
3: the, the H- help the- me out, help me out with the Orm. Can one of you guys like sum that up for me? Because I I'm still kind of unclear about what it truly is. for for the readers
2: (laughs) i think it's like a soul eater like they they can like control the arm in some way to hollow people out and i think that that's like kind of what it means is like somehow this like man like weird baby thing like eats souls and that's how it stays alive
1: oh shit okay and you kind of
2: Always talk about like summoning the orm which I feel like is some kind of like energy that like inhabits this baby that can like hollow people out.
1: Wow. This Thank is, you. Yeah, <laughs> that not, sounds about right. That that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> and then like they try to weaponize this, and it's like I don't yeah, work for I, you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yes, I think that's that, exactly I what would happen would, if that existed.
3: I and mean, like weird. Yeah. Boy, I gotta but tell you, I felt real bad for Cell uh, Core there. The guy that got eaten yeah. by the Orm and just totally forgotten about. That's stump. We didn't <laughs> ever find out his real name, even. Accidentally,
2: oh, yeah. protecting, uh Who was he with He, he
3: was protecting the Frenchman. Because
2: they like were his trying to get the terrorism. Frenchman,
4: weren't they? Yeah,
2: they wanted the Frenchman um Mike is another one that's super interesting like when Derek at the end of the book was like what what was what is he connected to like his storyline was just so like individual
0: yeah because his world wasn't like magic it was it was like a whole storyline that never connected to any of the other characters
1: <laughs> yeah. true his yeah
2: picture of the book though is his picture
1: yeah. oh okay yeah it's the uh, the eclipse thing oh that makes sense so is, uh, I I it. actually I kind of I don't know that this is the case but I kind of assumed that at the beginning when Sungali goes to the museum and he sees his granddad photographed I assumed that that was Moybridge because he was he was like famous for taking those kind of pictures mm-hmm. like um like So,
2: so I, I I brought that up for you cuz I was like that was your biggest question
1: that makes sense. That's that's what I thought, but I guess they never really. I was waiting for them to connect that, and I, I think they left it vague, or he left it and, vague. on that.
0: Yeah, and like the, the the ideas of like the machines that he was using and using on that woman, you know, like I I, I just wondered where it all tied in and stuff, and I still haven't really figured that out yet.
2: I love Brian's very unnecessary sex sexual things that he puts in the books that are so strange. Oh my god. I love Derek kept reminding me of all of those and I was like, I just
3: love them. <laughs> I like how he gave Ishmael a curly dick like a duck. I was at a
2: I was at a, a thing the other day where that had like a crystal booth and there was one that like looked like a spiral and I was like <laughs> I, wasn't,
3: I couldn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't oh, buy the Cyclops dick crystal, <laughs> I
2: didn't. The line was too long, or so whatever.
4: <laughs> yeah, there's laugh.
1: there's a lot of sex scenes in the war, and every single one is so bizarre. um yeah. it's so great.
2: Dog sex stream. Yeah, dog sex. The dog. The dog
1: the part actually Moybridge's sex scene is like probably my favorite part of his arc. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like oh, that yeah, was the, crazy. Some,
3: oh, that was all criminal.
0: <laughs> like, but like I felt like like I said to her, like some of his writing, it just I just couldn't wrap my head around what the point was. In some ways, just mm. in the sense like he was talking about like Moybridge walking around the kitchen in his underwear. And he's like, he was flaccid, and I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? Talk, you know what I mean? Like, why add that in there?
2: You gave you a visual.
0: I know, but it's just, I, why? You know, yeah. building the world. That was just part. That's this color. Yeah,
1: it's it's because it, the. Uh, unless he specified, you would assume that he was rock hard making coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I always
3: assume, unless they tell me otherwise.
0: Yeah, it was, it was just such a weird line, and I reread it, and I'm like, what the fuck was the of
1: that? <laughs>
0: but he always throws in those little things, and even the dog's, like, dream sex scene... Like how graphic it was, and how like we're throwing rocks at the dogs, and just like going. I'm like, what does this have to do with the whole story as a whole? But it, it, it spoke more to his like madness as Mm -hmm. a writer in some ways.
4: I think
1: it is a trip into madness. Um, and that's like we went through that with him now that we've read it. Um, we've gone through the void and come out the other side, and I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, um, like, I'm sure you can relate to this, Anastasia, because your, your art's very, um, like, dreamlike and ethereal. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when you do something automatic like this, where it's just you're letting it flow, you can look back on it and, like, learn things that you didn't even mean to put there. It's like, exactly. oh, I didn't even that's realize why. I did that.
2: And, like, that's why I I definitely years later will look back at my stuff and be like, oh, that – I did this and I connected this and I didn't realize I was explaining this and like when I started talking with Brian and I, I was like we write and create in very similar like just like let it happen ways and then like he learns things I think when people are talking to him about like how they interpreted the books but I also think that if those little weird things even the dog sex scene like if those things weren't there I don't think it would feel like such a brilliant surreal art piece like I think his, like, just the fact that you're in his flow state is what makes it so brilliant. Because I think for someone to, like, successfully capture, like, their surreal flow state, the way that he did is so incredibly difficult and rare to make it, like, coherent and cohesive enough, but still, like, keep that kind of insanity in it. Like, I think that's a really rare thing. That's why I say this book's not for the faint of heart. Not, not for, like, the light reader.
1: No yeah definitely not it's an undertaking um it's it's pretty dense too i think this is the longest one we've done for the book club it's like a little over 500 pages i think um yeah he again it would be so weird to adapt it because he so much of the vor is the way he's the way he's telling you um Mm -hmm. he's just he's one of those kind of authors that it's it's about the words and how he's saying it um, because just to show you I feel like takes a lot of that beauty out of it
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, so if they do adapt it I hope they do it well um,
2: I definitely yeah. encourage you to read the book second and third oh. book Earwig and watch the documentary about him and his life and all of his performance art on the BBC it's fantastic like and watch some interviews with him like he's just honestly like one of the most interesting people that ever was so I would encourage you to go down his rabbit hole a little bit
1: absolutely I'll definitely um, have to read the other the books the other war books and um, I'd be interested to see what else he does too because um, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not all exactly like this like this is kind of a special kind of thing and not, all not...
2: Weird. they're okay. all real weird but yeah. they're they're great but these are the biggest books he ever wrote all the other books he's got are kind of like more like probably 150 200 page like short story novellas i think um looking at them on my shelf they're pretty small um these were definitely his his biggest work
1: do you have a favorite of his works hmm <sighs>
2: don't know which of the three books in the war would be my favorite I mean I think it probably would just be the war trilogy I don't know earwig's pretty brilliant but I just think the expansiveness of the war is like I mean that's just it's just a masterpiece so I would say probably the war but I don't know book Book three is really, really good. I have book two though. He as he's telling me all the things that he's like encountering in the book as he's reading. I'm like, oh yeah, that was in book two, and that was in book two. That was good. Just the That's whole. That's cool. The whole
1: of the I um, I'm also interested to learn more about the um. I can't remember what they're called. The kin, the kin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah the they're,
1: kin are cool. And like, There's just actually- what's going on with that family in that house? Sorry, what were you gonna say?
2: The house is so cool and weird. Like, the house, to me, feels just as magical as the forest. Like, it's
3: such yeah. a cool place. It felt like... Yeah. You ever have one of those dreams when you're a kid where you find a secret room in your house and it's, like, full of all kinds of awesome stuff? It felt like the whole house was like that. They're just constantly That's discovering cool. things and finding stuff. Yeah, it's dreamlike. I really like that. Yeah. yeah.
4: And the wind organ up in the... Um
3: yeah that was so cool and uh, they, they had the uh, the camera obscura up in the top there that is so awesome yeah i really like that did you
2: camera? have to look up a lot of things when i read it i was like googling a ton of things to like get visuals or be like what does that look like like i didn't realize that that instrument in the attic is a real oh. instrument and he told me that is a real yeah. instrument that was built in the 80s, 80s.
0: Hmm. huge
2: right that's awesome yeah.
0: It takes up an entire room. I mean, room. That's what I'm saying, though. He mixes all these parts of obscure history into this thing. You know what I mean? Like, even the camera obscura might come from something he experienced or did and just threw it in the story. I don't know. It's hard to say.
4: Yeah.
2: There is a book of his that I haven't read. I don't remember what it's called. It's on the shelf over there. And I I don't know when I'm going to read it because I'm, like, saving it because I'm, like, it makes me sad that after i read that one like there will be nothing else of his for me to consume ever so i like i've been saving it which is maybe silly i need to read it at some point soon
1: yeah but... he's, he, he's definitely brilliant um I'm, I'm really glad you recommended it because i'm yeah. like this is a great book to Thank have
2: done it I... I've only yeah. been able to get like my mom and now Derek to read it before you guys, so I'm so excited you
1: read I, it. If if either of you has any more weird book recommendations, throw them my way because um, <laughs> I I had a great time with this one. Um, there there's a lot to impact, too. I think this was a good one for a discussion like this because uh, there is so like there's so much to say about the series. We'll definitely have to do the other books as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know you guys mm-hmm. got to get going in a minute. What are you going to say, Derek? do
0: book club a lot. Like, is this like a thing that's ongoing?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep, yeah, we do one every month.
0: Nice. Yeah, man. I've been trying to read more. So if you guys, you know, have another thing, yeah, shoot me a message because I'd be like to keep doing okay.
1: this. Fuck yeah. I, I'd lo- I would you love to, to have time. you guys. Uh, yes. We're doing the uh, The Marvelous Land of Oz next month. It's the second Wizard of Oz book. We've already done the first one, but they're not long if you if you want to catch up. And um, also, Wizard of Oz is not a series where you have to read them in order. Um, They're very disconnected. So uh, there's like yes, yeah, the Marvelous Land of Oz. Uh, I know very little about this one except that it's not Dorothy. This one's about the Scarecrow. Um, Interesting. yeah right. Dorothy doesn't come back for a few more I think it's the sixth one where she returns
2: so um, it is, is, like the main um the main like ta- uh, genre I guess is, is it all fantasy that you like to do for this book club
1: nope it- <laughs> last last month we did the life-changing magic of tidying up by Maria Kondo which is just a yeah. book.
2: oh my I- god that's amazing
1: <laughs> yeah it was awesome I learned a lot about tidying up and um do you know that book too yeah okay (laughs) yeah maria kondo is awesome i i learned a lot from reading that book it got me the biggest thing that book did for me was it got me uh excited about cleaning up like i'm not like it got me motivated and i'm like yeah i'm excited about like fucking simplifying and throwing shit away like now it's fun which
4: except for tearing pages out of books
1: Yeah. Okay. She's crazy. First of all, (laughs) she is insane. She's—I'm definitely not ripping up pages out of books, which she did admit is like she's like, "Okay, maybe I've gone a little too far here."
2: (laughs) What kind of pages out of books?
1: She would she
4: she would tear the ones that she liked and save those in the folder, and then throw the rest of the book away. I'm like, what? Yeah.
2: No. That's no, no, Maria. (laughs) it's funny because she actually got a lot of flack like i feel like it was like last year or something because she basically like made some post, talk, like now that she's a mother like talking about how like her method like yeah is odd and i don't remember what she said but people were like she, she was all things about it. if
1: it's the same thing i'm thinking of she said that um she's given up since she's had kids she's yeah. like yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm not trying to clean it <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is she's that's that's what's so beautiful about her though. She's so honest, like yeah, like exactly. she's a real person. <laughs>
2: like take you will from this and live and live your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll definitely send you some of my favorite. Perfume Story of
0: America is a good yes, one. Yes, Perfume. That's one of
1: my favorite books of all time. Let me write this down. It's I
2: love Perfume. Um, Derek and I actually, when we first met, when he interviewed me, and we, I, I mailed him the four because we talked about our favorite books of all time, and he mailed me Perfume, and Perfume is excellent.
0: Yes, yeah, Perfume okay. Story of.
2: America. You will love okay. Perfume. What's
0: What's the subtitle? A story of a murderer, perfume story.
4: Yeah.
2: How would you describe it? It's um, it's about this.
0: Uh, I mean, it's I, I, basically. Long story short, it's like about this guy who has an uh, an insanely heightened sense of smell, and he becomes a perfumer. And it's basically his. It's set in like Victorian England or France or something like France, and. There's like a whole world built around his like insane sense of smell.
2: He basically okay. Can
0: smell all
2: the, kinds of things. Wasn't
0: there a movie made
4: about that? Yeah, there was a movie. It's he was a historical figure because I think that that
0: Nirvana song, Scentless Apprentice is
4: about that.
0: Yeah. Right. I I feel like he, yeah, I think it is. But I love the way it's written. I just Did love, you not like the movie? I just, I don't know. It's like one of those things where, you know, like you read yeah. an amazing book and then you see the movie and you're just kind of like, eh yeah you tried, but you didn't capture it (laughs) yeah that's how i feel about a lot of movies made from books Ah, well you tried you know good hustle i know it's not always easy but sometimes you're just like if you have like a favorite part of a book and then they just totally take that whole storyline out or something you're like what the hell you know
1: yeah but well i wrote that down we'll definitely get around to it um do you have any shows or any releases you want to plug
2: me, um, no shows currently booked. Uh, we're working on we're in pre production for the last music videos in the visual album series that will be out later this year. So the album's out though. You can listen. Yeah.
1: Congratulations. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Streaming. Streaming now. Go check it out.
2: Yeah, we're at over like four hundred thousand streams now, so we're pretty excited about this album release, and yeah, that's can't wait awesome.
1: To-
3: just check in one more time. What's the name of that album, and where can we stream it?
2: La Petite More, and you can stream it everywhere by Anastasia Elliott. <laughs> definitely check it out.
1: Yeah. And dude, we did soon... an interview
2: on Rhetoric Revolves.
1: <laughs> yeah, we sure did. Uh, um, yeah. So definitely, when you're done watching this, go check out Anastasia Elliott. Um, that's you. You did a lot of great work there. I'm excited to see whenever you do have a show come up again.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Definitely next year we'll have a bunch.
2: Yeah. Taking a little break so we can focus on filmmaking. And they just
1: worked on a whole new album
0: too. She like yeah. recorded like seven or eight new songs. So. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. We're,
2: we're finishing. The goal is to have that AP done by the end of the year so that we can spend the next six months working on the first, next full length while those release. So lots of, we're lots of like behind the scenes creation mm-hmm. right now.
1: Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um Hyatt, do you have you've got Hyatt's got a you got a show tomorrow? Yep, playing uh, at, at the East Room. Mm-hmm.
4: Yep, with
2: awesome.
1: Taxiway and um Opiate, right? And Opiate, yeah. Cool. It's Opiates.
4: Um, they have they're putting out an EP. I think it's their release show. For okay.
1: that. I'm gonna be the Wicked Witch of the West. I did that last week, and that's I'm doing that again tomorrow. But I have like better oh, green paint yeah. this time. yeah i'll send you pictures um yeah i did it uh, last week too but the the paint i got kind of sucked um so it's so
2: hard it's so hard body paint yeah what is what are all y'all's halloween costumes
1: heaven's got some great ones
3: (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah usually i just go as one of the guys from alien um i got like a
1: little Kind
3: of right. a thing. Yeah. He's got a, he just
1: it's it's him in a t shirt with a chest burster coming out of his chest yeah, and, <laughs> and blood <yeah>. everywhere.
2: That's <laughs> Super cool. What about you guys? Um, I'm gonna be the devil and he's gonna be an angel.
3: Yeah, Aww.
2: I'm recreating a '40s Anita Ekberg uh, devil costume, so it's very like vintage glamour, like rhinestone horns. I'm very excited about it it's currently under construction
1: nice cool.
2: And derek's like fancy devil so he, i mean fancy angels so he's got like a white suit and a little halo that's cool <laughs> yeah
1: um uh, yeah a- angels are an interesting part of the war too uh i think that's the that angels are kind of just a colloquial word for the erstwhile if i'm remembering right <laughs> that was, like, um fun. yeah And it's it would be interesting to see like a character with an alternate perspective because we're really getting it through this mythology of like, um, these are angels that God left here, um. So I kind of until until I'm told otherwise by like a character in the book or something, that's kind of how I see it.
2: Read book two, the erstwhile. They really go into depth about them. Yeah,
1: (laughs)
3: that's
2: basically what the those creatures are. What the second book is really about, and it's so
0: good. Yeah.
1: I um I got really sad when one of the Williams and Este separated, like, but like it was the way he describes it. That's kind of even made it sadder. The way it was like, this is just, you know, time has played out. This is not a it's a natural disconnection. Um, it's not like, it's not like, the way he said it. He's like trying to convince you it's not a sad thing, and I'm like, no, it is a sad thing. I don't want I don't want him to go. To- I don't want her to go to with Ishmael, and Ishmael ended up being a douche about it. Like, just completely forgot about her. Yeah. Um, but I liked I liked um, Ghost Sungali and his granddad. I thought that was cool too.
0: Yes. Uh, he takes over the bow, right at the end of the story.
1: I, yeah. How does he? So. Does that mean like we're just like, and if we're watching this, it's just a ghost carrying a bow? So like, if you can't see the ghost, it's just like a floating bow. Yes, yeah.
0: yes. They literally say that. I think in the book where it's just the bow is floating around the air, and Sangali cool. is
1: carrying it. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, that also reminds me of the 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 priest burning the painting, and when when there is that painting that fell off the wall, and then he puts it on the wall, and it's like. It's, in, like, a hovering, like, an inch off the wall. And, like, uh, he's describing it like it's, like, defying gravity. It's this kind of state, like, statically locked in this one place. And um, whenever they throw it in the fire, it releases all those things. But there's a delay. There's, like, a weird delay between hmm. erstwhile, like, coming out of it, like, an hour later or so. That was really cool. They were, like... They really liked that painting for some reason. I don't remember who which characters that was. I don't think those are main.
2: Where was the Where was the priest in the in the painting? I don't
4: remember that.
1: Uh, Hyatt, do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I think that
4: was wasn't it Sidrus and the priest and I. I and I'm there was. something confused from like the second. I know what that, you're talking about. But they like kill one of the erstwhile that they don't. They can't see it but then they have these like visions of it later. Yeah. yeah.
2: I know that's why I don't want to say too much because the second book really revolves around like priests and I'm like, what, what am I like? Um, okay.
1: It might've been Sidrus. Um, I think Sidrus might've been one of the people that was there, but it was like, like, um, like a, uh, what do you call that? Like, like um like a priest's assistant who apprentice who like saw some erstwhile he's like they like they were running around and then he calls the priest and the priest is like okay go home and he's like I'm gonna deal with this and he basically like exercised this painting like he picked it up off the wall and like when he picked it up it was still like it was it was like it was on the wall but it wasn't on the wall it was just hanging there and then he grabbed it and he threw it in the fire and he was saying how like what he, he what he's he was preparing for the fact that he's like i'm going to see some really crazy shit in about an hour hmm.
3: um <laughs> so i i remember what you're talking about i think that part took place um i, I might be wrong but I, i'm pretty sure it took place in kind of like the missionary church in essenwald um and i think it might have had to do with sale <laughs> Corps and the frenchman at one point
1: that might be a oh. totally
3: different moment but i think that they entered a church and they saw some weird shit
1: okay all right that that sounds right yeah, that Maybe. character it it kind of came to an abrupt conclusion. He was a good guy. The Frenchman? Salcor.
3: Oh, Salcor, yeah. So We the don't Frenchman even a little weirdo.
1: <laughs> What'd you say?
2: like the Frenchman is not a good guy. <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Isn't he the is he the character at the like very beginning who's like looking at himself naked in the mirror? Yeah. I could not remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what an interesting character. And also, like, after I finished it, I went and, like, read a little bit of the beginning again. It said he had, like, these deep scars on his wrists and his neck. Do you guys remember this? Yeah. Did he try, I guess, did he try to kill himself?
2: I don't know. Here,
1: I got a quote. Ready? I got
3: you.
2: Give it to us.
3: Okay. Um, See, so, uh, this the the Frenchman we assume is looking in the mirror at like um another version of himself. He says he tucked it, he tugged at his mustache, and Max, the guy in the mirror, did the same. Then Max pointed at the open wound in his arm, deeply vented and bloodless. He had died nine years ago, before at the height of his fame, in another Grand Hotel. His wife cutting first, his hand gripping hers on the razor. This was a very different mirror dance. And then it goes on. Okay, further.
1: so. So the reflection has scars. Now, I, th- I think that
3: Frenchman, a.k.a. Raymond Roussel, I think he
1: died, too. And this is his ghost looking at the mirror. Oh, OK. So this might is be, after be, no. the Frenchman dies. Oh, wait, this, maybe this maybe that right. takes
3: place, I think, probably like decades after the, the war.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's like, OK, that's a flash to the future. Mm-hmm. Got it.
2: I don't know that I got that. Or That's interesting.
1: That. That's so crazy. Um, yeah, I didn't pick up on that either. But if that is the Frenchman, it sounds like he's dead here. Sorry, what it is it like,
2: it like three or four times and still be finding things out or being like, oh that connects oh, yeah. to that.
0: But I think also I was just gonna say like with the whole Sangali storyline, he is still technically alive in another world in still in the world itself where he's a ghost but he's hanging out with his grandfather and going to do things as if he's still alive even though his physical body is dead so i'm still struggling to understand whether or not there's like an actual like two worlds going on all at the same time and that explains some of the magic of it all you know oh where like you know like the eyes are still alive in the real world and now your soul is in the other world and you're you're blind in that world or something i don't know you know what i mean it's i weird. do
1: remember it saying that um heart of the erstwhile uh este she like it, it said that she had three deaths in her tradition or something like that so like by the time she was like approaching the end she was already like pretty vacant is uh, if i'm remembering correctly like she was like she had already undergone like two of her deaths before she died. And I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I kind of got the same feeling, Derek, that it's like um she's like in between spaces and that might be she also lived a really long time, I think, if if I remember right. Um so like with that so like she probably died over like a series of decades is what I got out of that. Um and that to what that would mean is to be like in between places, like halfway in one mm-hmm. world and halfway in another.
2: Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah, it's probably something like that. Um, it would be cool to see, like, what's on the other side in a more direct way. Because I know, like, Sungali and his granddad are walking around. But they're also kind of... They're here, but they're not here. And they talk about going to a place afterwards. Like Yeah. Yeah. It also, like, the way he fashions things out of este's body like he puts her uh like her womb and her hands and her heart and her head like in in one place and takes the rest of it with him uh, like or the bow with him um so it's like she's kind of in several places both in this world and the next world um Mm -hmm. like divided among a bunch of different which is i guess in a literal sense what happens to all of us is we get displaced over yeah well um that's really all i had do you got any closing thoughts on on the war nothing here you, you already brought up the dog sex scene that was the only thing I was gonna talk about. <laughs> there was so much sex at the war ishmael fucks dude ishmael like he it was Lulua, uh gertruda and um sirena sirena is that it no i feel like he definitely got more yeah, uh, like during
3: that carnival, I think that he was just roaming around. Oh, yeah. oh okay. <laughs> the carnival. Okay.
1: That that sounded interesting. Like this German, like um, like just masquerade going on. Yeah, that,
2: right? I, yeah, yeah. Book three is really um very much Ishmael, Sirena. Like their storylines are super strong in book three. Okay. They're not so much. Two are they using? they they're a little bit. Yeah, it doesn't. It focuses more on the erstwhiles in book two, but book three is um, very much about
4: him.
1: Something that was very unexpected for me is like when you're introduced to Gertruda. I was thinking she's going to be like this Joffrey character. She's like this spoiled kid that like just is awful piece of shit and like kills <laughs> kills the uh, kin, like kills Abel. I think ironically. <laughs> um, and stuff like that. I thought she was just gonna continue to be this character, but she actually kind of has like like she doesn't become a hero, but she has like her this like coming of age, like kind of redemption arc. Um mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think seeing her and Muter grow to be good friends was really sweet too. I like that.
1: Yeah. I oh Motor's yeah. one of Muter and uh he's probably my favorite. Uh I really like Nebsuel too. But Mutter, Muter, he very much like I love the way he just fucking killed the doctor. Like, you know what? You know what? Uh, Fuck you.
2: (laughs) And the the son with his hands that got sewn on
3: backwards. Oh my
1: god! That was so fucking crazy and tragic.
3: Yeah, did that really happen? Like, did the doctor remove his hands and put them on Mm -hmm.
1: backwards?
3: Yeah, he comes back. He comes back and... like, I, for a minute, I wasn't sure if that was like a dream or something. But yeah, so um, physically, the doctor removed his hands on orders of yep. some spirit and flipped him over. Yep. That's what happened. Okay, yep. cool. Yep. Sweet. Oh, I'm even more unsettled now. That's great. <laughs> yeah. In
2: the second book, he's a, he's a part of the He's like a mind, main character. Yeah, he's a main character.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's, oh man, that would really, that's such an awful curse. And it's like, <laughs> There. It's very biblical, too. Like, there's a, so many biblical undertones. Like, he's not punished. His lineage is punished. Like, his firstborn son is punished for his actions. It's a very, very, like, archaic kind of... Yeah. Yeah, and, it's, and it,
0: Abel's, the whole Abel thing where she bashes his head in, that's, like, how the character of Abel died in the Bible. So I'm, like, wondering where all this stuff continually ties in and if Gertrude represents the Cain story where she's, you know i don't know i don't know
2: what is the story of king you know, there were know. brothers
0: and yeah. one was jealous of the other so he bashed his head in and then the father came looking for him and he's like where's your where's my other son he's like well, am i my brother's keeper like <laughs> basically like i don't know how should i know i'm not you know like he, he tried to hide the murder of him mm-hmm. you know what i mean and he was just basically jealous of his father's favor towards his brother i think
1: yeah, I this is. These are supposed to be, according to the story, these are the first children. Also, these are Adam and Eve's kids. Yeah. Um So, the first murder is the second generation of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it um, doesn't take long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome. Hi. Yeah. Do you have anything? You want to add? No, I was just gonna
4: say. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the same religious vein. It's kind of like the taking a part of Estée's body is kind of like, you know, the way relics were done with saints and, you know, different people's bodies were, you know, taken around and recombined and, you know.
1: Yeah, it's an enchanted up. object in a, like a, a very like real, real way.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you all for coming. Uh, we'll definitely revisit.
4: Hey,
2: my dog had a poop on her butt so (laughs) oh nice for that one for a second
1: (laughs) nice well that's a great way to close it (laughs) a dog poop (laughs) um yeah go check out cassette stress tomorrow everybody um at the east room and uh yeah go check out anastasia elliott's album la petite mort out now um and we will see you all next week and next month uh, we'll be doing the marvelous Land of Oz by Elf or Frank L L Frank Baum, something like that. <laughs> okay, see ya. Good seeing y'all.